Let's go to the Lord in prayer one more time here. Heavenly Father, we are just uh, grateful that we can gather together in the name of Jesus, and we want to lift his name up. We want to see his uh, name exalted through every bit of our service today, and, and that includes this time in your word. Father, help us to come with humble hearts, to have just a learner's mindset that we want to Listen at uh, the feet of the Word of God and hear from you, God. And we pray that uh, we, we want to lift up our um, church members and, and family and friends who may be hurting right now. Maybe they're sick and battling disease. And we pray, God, for strength in the inner person, um, that your spirit would just... Um, in some way, let them know that you're near and that they would grab on to you and uh, just rely on you for whatever they need. And uh, Lord, we also just pray that your spirit would be working in our time today, that uh, quicken our hearts to obey, um, convict us where we need convicted, encourage us where we need encouraged. Um, regardless, Lord, we want you to be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen. So we've been on um, a little bit of a short journey looking at some of the different prayers that Paul prays in his letters, trying to get a glimpse of um, what we can learn about prayer. And uh, I think there's some, by the way, I just feel like there's, this is subjective, but I kind of think that God really is impressing prayer in our church because we've got so many prayer things happening. Uh, I mean, we've got this going on. The small group that I meet with on Tuesday nights is doing the Lord's Prayer Study by Kevin DeYoung. Some of our discipleship groups are also focusing in on prayer. I mean, it's just uh, very, <laughs> we've got some targeted assault going on in the heavenlies, I think. So, um, and we've got this prayer visual and all this stuff coming up. So just, um, I really think that God's just trying to get our attention to not downplay prayer at all, but to really elevate it in our hearts and minds. So um, so today's a little bit different in that I'm going to look at not a, a prayer that Paul prayed, but we're going to look at a prayer request that Paul had. We're going to look at a request he made in the, the letter to the Romans and see what we could learn uh, some importance of, of prayer in, in his request. So it's a little bit different today, but nonetheless, it's the Scripture. So I'll just read these couple of verses to you. It's Romans 15 uh, and verses 30 to 33. And Paul says, he says, I appeal to you, brothers, by our Lord Jesus Christ, and by the love of the Spirit, to strive together with me in your prayers to God on my behalf that I may be delivered from the unbelievers in Judea and that my service for Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints, so that by God's will I may come to you with joy and be refreshed in your company. May the God of peace be with you all. Amen. So we see in this short few verses, Paul asking um, has a specific prayer request for ministry. And um, 
what I'd like to do is to first kind of just take notice as you keep your eyes maybe in your Bible or on your device on that Romans 15 passage, starting there with verse 30. Notice the urgency of his request um, as we look at the struggle of prayer. Paul's urgent prayer request. What does he say? Well, where do we get the urgency from? Verse 30, he says, I appeal to you. Uh, other translations say, I urge you. Right? And so there is this, uh, there's this sense of urgency. He's appealing to these believers there in the church in Rome. And uh, he's saying, listen, I've got some urgent things that I need you to pray for. And uh, he's also kind of not, he's appealing to them on the basis of something. Uh, he says, I appeal to you, brothers, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit, and I think what he's getting at there is he's saying, listen, um, we are united together in Jesus Christ by the Spirit of God. And as such, we are to have a love for each other. And I'm appealing to you based on that love that we have in the Spirit. I'm urging you to pray for me. So he's saying, listen, we've got this common bond. And we see... Paul kind of used this same kind of logic, making an appeal based on their unitedness in Jesus. He, they, they, uh, we see this in Philippians, in the letter to the Philippians here in, in chapter 2, just the two first two verses. Listen to what he says to them. He says, so if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, Complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. And so do you see there, it's not a request for prayer here in Philippians, but he's using the same kind of uh, approach. He's appealing to them based on their unity in Jesus. He's saying, listen, if you've received any benefit, from what I've done through the Lord Jesus Christ and his spirit. He's appealing to them to be united, right? And so in Romans 15, he's basically saying, if you belong to Jesus Christ and have experienced the powerful love of the spirit operating through you, then surely toward uh, an apostle of Jesus Christ, you will gladly display that love by praying for him. And so do you see he's just making this appeal um, Listen, we are more than just friends. We're ministry partners. Uh, we share life in Christ together, and so certainly we should pray for each other. And so, again, um, you know, when we've been looking at these different um, prayers that Paul prayed uh, in a couple other sections of Scripture in the last couple of weeks, uh, we just see that value and importance of praying for each other. and. Um, and what we're going to learn, though, is that, you know, most of us know, hey, I know I need to pray uh, for my brothers and sisters, and you know that as if you've been a follower of Jesus for um, almost any length of time, you realize the importance of prayer. But um, what we may forget, though, is that what we see Paul telling us in Romans is that prayer is a spiritual struggle. It's a spiritual struggle. And I put quote around struggle because uh, I don't mean struggle in the sense that it's hard to fit it in my schedule, which you may find it to do. 
or you find it hard to stay engaged in prayer for any length of time and not be distracted, which may be true. I mean, the, those, that struggle's real. But really what we're talking about here and what Paul's getting at in part of his request is there is actually a spiritual struggle going on when uh, we're praying. And, and if you look at verse 30 there back in Romans 15, he says, I appeal to you, brothers, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit, listen to what he says, to strive together with me in your prayers, to strive together with me in your prayers to God on my behalf. So do you hear that phrase there, the striving, right? That's what he's getting at. That's a, that's a struggle. And according to uh, one commentator, it says the English phrase, strive together with me, is actually one word in the Greek. And the form of that word is just only in this verse in the New Testament. It's just only used here. But there are other forms of the word. And so sometimes when we go to look at other forms of the word in the New Testament, it can give us a little more cluing into the word here of strive. And so I'd like to look at just a couple of those. Um, Colossians chapter 4, Paul writes to the Colossians and tells them uh, about this guy named Epaphras. It says, Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, greets you, always struggling on your behalf in his prayers always struggling on your behalf in his prayers, that you may stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God. Um, and so we have Epaphras, a prayer warrior, saying, Paul saying, listen, he's struggling for you guys in prayer. And so you get, it's that same word, that same idea, a different form of the verb, but the same idea. This striving is, is struggling. Also, in uh, the same letter to the Colossians, Chapter 2, verse 1 says, For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not seen me face to face. And so Paul, just using that same uh, word in a different form, this struggling, this striving. And so, um, again, maybe this is nothing new to you, that there is actually a spiritual battle or struggle going on. But that's what Paul is getting at. Um, D.A. Carson says this. He says, The idea, rather, is that Paul understands real praying to include an element of struggle, discipline, work, spiritual agonizing against the dark powers of evil. Insofar as the Roman Christians pray this way for Paul, they are joining him in his apostolic struggle. Now, so this view of a spiritual struggle in prayer um, is nothing new in Paul's letters. Right? I just mentioned a couple instances in Colossians, but maybe you're more, even more familiar with Ephesians chapter 6. Um, and here we have uh, Paul's view on prayer is this idea of struggling in the spiritual realm as a battleground. It says in Ephesians 6, 11 and 12, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. And so Paul just lays it out right there. He's like, our struggle's really not uh, going on in this world, although it may manifest itself in physical things, right? Uh, people opposing the gospel or, 
or uh, people, uh, you know, being opposed to the gospel coming to their village, you know, initially. But, but uh, and I just love the fact in that story, you know, these guys are just praying uh, all through that situation because there's a battle going on, right? There's a battle going on. So after Paul tells the believers in this letter to the Ephesians how to metaphorically dress themselves for spiritual battle, listen to what he says later in that section, uh, Ephesians 6, 18, 20. Praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. And so, so just... Brothers and sisters, we need to remind ourselves that prayer is just not something you do and you check it off. It can get that way if we let it, if we're honest. But we need to see that when we're praying, we're doing battle. And there are things going on that we can't even know and see with our eyes. And so, um, you know, even though you may have prayed uh, uh, the same kind of prayer for someone for many years and not see any result, I say don't give up. Keep praying. Keep laying your requests before God. And as it says, pray at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication, right? Be, keep alert in it. Right? It's almost like we need to be asking God to show us how can we be, how should we be praying how can we direct our prayers? What's needed, right? Um, and we need God's help there. But when Paul's praying in the, in the to the letter to the Romans, when he's saying to strive together with him in his ministry efforts, he wants them to say, listen, when you unite together with me and you pray these requests, you're actually doing battle. We are, in a sense, wrestling uh, with spiritual forces. And so, um, make no mistake, your prayers are important. Your prayers do not go unheard, right? God is uses our prayers to accomplish His kingdom business, right? He's chosen to work that way. He wouldn't have to. He could just do whatever He wants anytime He wants and does do that, but He chooses to work also through the prayers of His people. And isn't that a wonderful privilege, right, that we get to participate in that? So, our struggle in this life is spiritual and it's supernatural. There's a conflict going on that we can't see. And uh, we have to use the appropriate weaponry. And uh, one of those tools is prayer, too. And so, do not forget it. Don't, don't let the enemy think that prayer is just like, you know really not seeing any results, and usually what that means, I'm not seeing what I want to see, um, but there are plenty of answers to prayer that we could share with each other, ways we've seen God work through prayer, um, but we need to realize that um, God has a purpose for us when we pray, and we are engaging the enemy right where it counts, okay? So let's not belittle prayer, let's not, let's really Put it up here on our radar as saying this is like the ultimate thing we need to make sure that we are taking time to do, not only individually, 
but corporately. Now, uh, as we move on here, uh, we look at Paul's specific request. So he asks them to kind of join together and striving together, and then he's got some specific things he wants prayer for. We'll look at those briefly. So verse 31, let me just remind you again. He's praised that I may be delivered from the unbelievers in Judea and that my service for Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints. Then verse 32, so that God's will may, uh, so that God's will I may come to you with joy and be refreshed in your company. So you see, uh, and if you actually read before this, you'll see that Paul is like wanting to take a collection to Jerusalem. He's wanting to collect some uh, money to, to help the believers there. And so uh, he also wants to, uh, you know, kind of go by way of Rome to expand ministry into Spain. That's a really goal of his. And you could, so you could see in his prayers when you look, uh, again, before this, our section that we're looking at and where we're looking at his prayer request, he's got ministry goals. He's got things he's thought through, how he wants to journey how he wants to, you know, Paul's thing is he always wants to take the gospel where it's never been heard. He really has that heart to take the gospel to places that have never heard it, right? And so, uh, and Spain would be one of those places. And so anyway, he, he's having this request that, um, back there in verse 31, that he may be delivered from the unbelievers in Judea. Now, um, so there in... Uh, Jerusalem, in that area, um, there would have been many, uh, well, actually probably most of the believers in that area uh, would have been, you know, Jews, right? Jews who, who come to accept Jesus. But then you have a whole other contingent of Jews who don't believe in Jesus and who actually very quite hostile towards um, those that have converted over and believe in Jesus and hostile towards Paul. In fact, uh, you know, if you look in our uh, letter that has a lot of the history of the first century church, the book of Acts, you'll see some of this going on. I'll just mention these. I, I don't have the verses up here on the screen, but Acts 9.29, and it says, and, he's, and he, meaning Paul, spoke and disputed against the Hellenists, but they were seeking to kill him. And then in Acts 13.50, it says, but the Jews incited the devout women of high standing and the leading men of the city stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and drove them out of the district. So those are just a couple of small samplings of the opposition that Paul was getting. And so Paul's saying, listen, would you pray that the opposition I've got would not win out, that it would not prevent me from doing the ministry I feel God is calling me to do there. So he's praying for that. Um, and then he actually asks, he, he asks for prayer uh, there in verse 32, he says, uh, so that, um, I, I, that I may be delivered by, from the unbelievers into you, and that my service for, the, for Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints. Let's look at that last part. My service for Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints. Uh, there's a couple of thoughts on this. It could mean just that he's saying that, hey, this gift I want to deliver there, that it would... Uh, that they would receive it well and not really feel the pressure from the Jews who oppose me there and not want to receive me, saying that I would that my ministry there would be acceptable to them. Or it could just simply mean a more general sense that he's saying, listen, I pray that my service to them 
would, they would just receive the ministry that I have in general, that the things I want to share with them, that they would be receptive of it. Okay? Don't really know for sure which of those things it is. But nonetheless, the people that he's ministering to, he wants them to receive what he has, whether it be the gift or whether it be the gift of whatever God lays on his heart to share with them. Um, now, how, I, how might we apply that today? I mean, these are some specific requests, but think about this. Think about uh, praying that Christian leaders might be rescued from opposition of outsiders who try to destroy their ministry, right? Uh, I mean, that's, that's a reality. That is a reality of anyone who's um, a threat to Satan's kingdom, okay? <laughs> anyone who, who, who really gets opposition uh, is likely doing something right because uh, the enemy, Satan, will be pulling out all the stops and will be using people who oppose the message of Christ to maybe try to discredit leaders or um, in some way just shut them down from being effective. And so, so that's something that we could do, right? Just pray. When you think about Christian leaders, people that are uh, you know, leading churches, our church, other churches around that are gospel-teaching churches, just pray that um, the opposition to uh, gospel ministry and the Word of God would not, would not win, right? And so that's one way we could think of praying uh, this prayer for ourselves and our situations. The other is just that pray that Christian leaders might find that their Christian service is acceptable to those to whom they minister. Now, that might be kind of a, seem like a strange thing to pray for, but... Uh, I think part of that might just be the fact that we realize that some people, um, some people, as we learn from the Word of God, want to have their ears tickled. There are things they just would want to hear rather than hearing sometimes hard truth, right, uh, from the Scriptures. And so um, we should be praying not only for ourselves that we would be receptive to the ministry that God has called the leaders of our church to take us in places and things to teach us as long as it's in alignment with the Scriptures, that we would be receptive to that, um, knowing that, you know, knowing that, you know, the local elders of any church should, with fear and trembling, come before God and seek His will and direction for their church, right? And so, so uh, this is something that we can pray for our church just that uh, we would be receive uh, the ministry that God has called the elders here to, to do. Right? Um, so that's just another thing that we can think of in terms of applying that. Now, this last part, I think, is, uh, may surprise you uh, in that unless you've kind of did a little homework, you might not realize that this is happening. But anyway, here's the point. God's unexpected, quote, unexpected answer to our prayers will always be for His glory and our good. Now, I doubt that anybody here has any trouble believing that, if you know the Word of God, right? So, so we, we, uh, we pray and we ask God for things with expectation. We know He hears us. We, we pray believing uh, and hoping that He will grant our request or do that which we're praying for, whether it be for ourselves or someone else. Um, but we also have to realize that um, he answers not always in the way that we would like. And that's just a reality, right? But that's a good father. 
actually. That's a good father because good fathers give their children good gifts. And sometimes those good gifts are not what the children are asking for, right? And because either it's not the right time or it's just not a good thing at all. And so sometimes when we pray things, right, the answer is no or yes or wait. That's usually the way it goes, right? Now, um, how does that relate to the passage we're in? So glad you asked. The last verse there, uh, may the God of peace be with you all. Amen. And I was just thinking about this specifically in relation to what happened to Paul. You know, you might be sitting and saying, I wonder if he got his request answered. I wonder if he, the opposition didn't win. I wonder if he made it to Rome. We know the answer to these questions. Okay? And we know the rest of this particular story. And um, it's interesting that uh, the first request there, that he may be delivered from the unbelievers in Judea, did not happen. He got, he got great opposition there. Okay, And then, now, it did seem like his second request was met, as requested, that his service in Jerusalem may be acceptable, that it seemed like the saints got the help they needed. But the third request, so that God's will may come, by God's will I may come to you with joy and may be refreshed in your company, well, that one got answered in a way he did not expect because he came there in chains. Okay? He did not make it to them the way he wanted to in ministry and joy, but um, he came there, um, you know, basically because of an appeal he made to Caesar and that he would then be in Rome and tried there. And so, so again, all of this to say uh, that should not discourage us from prayer, but the fact is we always have to kind of submit our request to saying God knows best. God knows best. And the way, he, the way he answers is always for our good and his glory. So I was just thinking there in that last verse as we kind of sign off our prayers in Jesus' name, amen. We need to be thinking that we're laying all of that at the feet of Jesus and we're trusting him completely with whatever he sees as best. And we, we definitely see that in Jesus' instruction to us, to, um, to his disciples on how to pray, right? In Matthew 6, he, he, he tells them, you know, uh, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, right? And so there's, a, there's, a, there's an attitude of submission here. And we need, to, we need to have, by God's grace, the attitude of Jesus as he's struggling in prayer there in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he says here in... Um, Luke 22, verse 42, he's saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And of course, he's, he knows the cross is coming, right? And what is he praying? It's like he, he does make the request like I think any human would. Knowing, like if there's some other way that we can have everyone's sins forgiven, I would just love that. And I think any human could relate to that. Who wants to die on a Roman cross? Um, but at the same time, he says, not my will, but yours be done, right? And so uh, this is what we need to do as we, we realize that we're engaging in the struggle of prayer, the spiritual struggle of prayer, and how important that is, right? That we should elevate it in our time. We should elevate it in our minds that this is 
accomplishing things that I can't even see. Sometimes I might be blessed with seeing the fruit of answered prayer. Sometimes I might not. But many times, I just wonder. You know, you wonder if you're going to be in heaven someday and you'll see some of the results of, uh, that were to God's glory. Answers to prayer that you just didn't see. Right? And so, um, let, let's just, um, I, I want to uh, leave you with this. Um, thinking about those, quote, uh, unanswered prayers. Because God answers, it's just not always the way we are looking. Um, John Bloom mentioned a few things in an article he wrote for Desiring God on uh, unanswered prayers. He titles it, The Unexpected Answers of God. Um, He says, if we ask God to help us love our neighbors as ourselves, Mark 12, 31, you know, we're just saying pray scripture, right? Uh, Ask God to help you love your neighbors. Uh, what should we expect to receive? Answers that force us to give unexpected attention to a neighbor whom we might not put in that category, which are inconvenient and irritating. Right? I mean, God, you're saying, God, I want to help me love my neighbor. He's going he's gonna to put it to the test. Did you actually mean that? Right? Um, if, you, if we ask for God's nearness because we believe that is good for us to be near God, which it is, Psalm 73, 28, what should we expect to receive? Answers that break our hearts sometimes, for God is near to the brokenhearted. You see, these are things that, ways God answers the prayers, not in ways we would expect, but nonetheless, the outcome is for God's glory and is the same. He wants us to, the, the drawing near. The last one I'll mention here, uh, Romans 12, 1, if we ask God to make us living sacrifices, we, what, what should we expect to receive? Answers that break and humble our hearts because the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. Uh, I'm not saying that's the way every answer to those requests go, but you could see the idea is that, no, God is always um, working in those answers into ways that always bring Him glory and are always for our good. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You that you do everything for your glory and for our good. Help us, God, if, if we have somehow lowered in our estimation the power of prayer, the importance of prayer. Thank you for the reminder also that prayer is doing spiritual battle, that we have an enemy, and that's the realm in which he operates. And so we need to fight the battle with spiritual weapons. And one of those really is prayer, God. Help us to pray with discernment, to be alert in prayer, as it says there in Ephesians. Help us to pray at all times in the Spirit, guided by the Spirit, relying on the Spirit, walking in the Spirit. God, help us with all those things. And Lord, help us to see that much of ministry is accomplished through prayer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.